0: listening to Sibling Talk, commentary from a progressive point of view. Now here are your hosts, John Paulette and Mary Jo Tumare. Hello, I'm John Paulette.
1: And I'm Mary Jo Tumare.
0: You know, Mary, uh, this weekend I heard from several people. Obviously, I don't get to see people because of COVID, but I heard from them and one of the consistent things was them talking about how much they cried during the inauguration and i i mean i can attest to this i seriously like wept through much of it one thing after another lady gaga singing the national anthem i cried like mad uh, the young woman who was the poet i cried and it it brought to mind back some years ago i live in chicago obviously when barack obama was first elected, I was down in Grant Park, which is where he spoke on that night, with this huge crowd, and I looked around and tears were streaming down everyone's face. And so I I got to wondering about it. Why do you think this election, this inauguration, affected us so deeply and so emotionally? Any ideas?
1: I I had exactly the same experience and I had the same experience of having multiple conversations over the last, you know, almost week since the inauguration about that emotional release that at least 50% of the country felt. (laughs) I mean, some people might've been crying for other reasons, but I think we were crying as just this, you know, after you go through something, really terrible, which I think we saw the last four years, four and a half years as, then you can finally let down. I um, equated it to uh, when our younger son was in high school, he had a burst appendix and it was really serious. I mean, he was in the hospital for a week And Mo and I were there and sat vigil. And, you know, the whole thing you do as a parent when your kid is really sick. And then one night, three or four days into it, some of his friends came by and they were like, we'll stay here with Noah. You guys go, go have dinner, go out. And Mo and I sat down at the restaurant. We looked at each other. We both burst out crying. We had not allowed ourselves that emotion up till that moment. And I think because the worst was over. And I, so I equated it to that, which is when you're in the middle of something, you can hardly see or comprehend how um, dangerous, how existential it is. And they think the minute that Biden was sworn in, you know, we saw him and we saw the normalcy of it, right. You know, the, the, Ex-presidents are coming in, people are talking about their fashion, just the normalcy of it. It just allowed this emotional relief like it really is over. Trump is really not the president anymore. Because up till that moment, it wasn't sure that he um, wasn't, some crazy thing wasn't going to happen and we were going to be continuing to live in the chaos we had lived
0: in. Well, and now we know uh, the reporting from the New York Times, which has been generally confirmed by NBC News and other outlets, that some guy, the acting director of the Civil Rights Division of uh, the Justice Department, so the guy's got a job, but he's kind of down there on the organizational chart. He is meeting with the president, and the plan is that they will get rid of the acting attorney general, because everybody's acting in Trump's administration, and by the name of Rosen. They'll get rid of him. They'll put this guy, Clark, in the role of attorney, acting attorney general, and he will contact the state of Georgia and tell them, uh, you cannot report your electors because we, the Justice Department, have concluded that there was too much fraud in the state of Georgia and presumably do it in Pennsylvania and so forth. And by doing this, he would lead – the overturning of the election, which is what the goal was all along, and we're we're told by the reporting that Donald Trump was saying, "Hmm, good, good plan, good, good, good <laughs> that's plan." An interesting I, idea. I, yeah, that's it. i I'm t- He turns to the side and he says, "I'm told that we could uh, we could try this right by maybe injecting or other means we could put this into our body politic," and fortunately masses of Justice Department employees uh, communicated, no, if you do this, like we're all resigning and they managed to talk Trump Trump out of it. I, the reason I bring that up at such length is during those last weeks, this was like the beginning of January, He was he was there. He was thinking all sorts of crazy stuff. So we had reason to be afraid.
1: Sure, and you know what's funny is, as an American, we think that can't happen here. That's what all the time we were saying. It Well, starting with like Trump can't be elected, but forget all that. What happened happened, he served his four years. And after the election, and if you remember the elation of that Saturday after election day, when they finally called Pennsylvania, people went out on the streets. It was like, okay, now we're going to get back to normal because we kept thinking what happens in other countries where a president says, I'm not leaving and the military is going to help me stay or I'm going to rig the courts or whatever else, you know, uh, uh, authoritarian leader, leaders do. And then crazy thing after crazy thing would happen, including the storming of the Capitol. So I, I felt personally like my faith in the United States ability to be better than other democracies was really starting to be shaken. So because all that crazy stuff kept happening, you think is it possible that um that we aren't going to do what we've done for 200 some years and have a peaceful transition of power and the new guy comes in, what did I call him today? The boring new guy comes in. Um and so The moment itself, it all culminated on that stage in front of the Capitol, where we knew for sure that what we told ourselves about ourselves was true, that it couldn't happen here, that the system and the institutions were really bigger than one man's ambition.
0: And I guess that leads to the big question. You've cashed in on this already, but let's double check you're still in favor of the impeachment, right?
1: I am, um, you know, I think the delay on it is is what makes everybody think, are we still, should we still be doing this? Is this what's best? But I can't imagine how we go forward and build our future without some kind of accountability. And that accountability has to start at the top. Because all these stories coming out, I mean, Trump had his, you know, his minions and everybody who was trying to do his dirty work for him. But at the end of the day, they were all serving him and his interests. So he has to be held accountable. And the only way we have to do that vis a vis the presidency is to have the impeachment, which then the vote to say he can't hold federal office again. Do I think? that he will be convicted? Honestly, I don't. And so then where the accountability will lie will be the Republican Party because they couldn't muster the votes to convict. And my concern that, now I'm going to go back to the Democrats, if the Democrats do not message that correctly, and I don't mean just today, I mean during primaries, I mean during elections, I mean every single one of those people i'm going to take ohio's one rob rob portman if he whether he wins again in ohio or not every message should be he did not have courage he did not stand up for our democracy if the democrats can't do that then i think it's a missed opportunity for the democrats to become the party that protected the country from going down the rabbit hole of authoritarianism. I, I mean that's it in a sense it's partly on I mean it's on the Republicans and they're a mess, right? But it's also partly on the Democrats not continuing to remind people who voted. I mean it is still stunning that 140 or whatever it was members of Congress after the insurrection come back in and vote to not I mean what's the word that's used? I always forget that you know, to to not certify the election. And except for 10 Republicans, you don't have those people who were just attacked. You don't have them voting for impeachment. Now you're going to come over to the Senate and we're saying, oh, I don't know if they'll get 17 Republicans. Well, shame, shame, shame. And we shouldn't let the shame game go. No,
0: we shouldn't. And there's some direct impacts right now. I... Democrats, I think, because Democrats as a group smoked an excessive amount of marijuana when they were young, and and (laughs) that has continued to affect their brain. And so when we come to moments like this, when the Democrats have uh, the control of the government, we daydream, this is going to be wonderful. We're going to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony, and everybody is going to cooperate. (laughs) No, no. Mitch McConnell refuses to even do the mundane work of organizing the Senate. What Chuck Schumer presented as the way to organize the Senate was word for word cut and pasted the uh the plan from the last time there was a 50-50. No difference. And it's I mean this is a real regular thing. You're going to have so many people on uh uh the judicial committee and I will have the same and uh, the Democrats will have the chair. But remember, Mitch is never about getting things done for this country. Mitch McConnell is about his power. He has always been about that. He will continue to be about about that. And as we go through things, and I, I include the impeachment on this, the same thing is true. The Republicans are not looking at it saying, well, Is Donald Trump guilty or not? I mean, we heard in the last impeachment, okay, yeah, he really is guilty, but remember our favorite phrase, it doesn't rise to the level of impeachment. And they will say that again now, that promoting insurrection and trying to overturn election does not rise to the level of impeachment. Oh, my gosh. And then they'll put on top of it, Marco Rubio who with just great passion in his face says, there's a fire burning in this country and the Democrats want to throw gasoline on it. No, Marco, they want to catch the arsonist and put him on trial. That's what they want to do. I, I guess, I mean, I said last week, and I'm still going to go with it, I do not think we should in any way believe that the Republicans want to get together on good governance Or accountability or anything else and the implication of that for me is on the relief bill the heck with trying to get a two-thirds majority you get this under reconciliation and you pass it by 51 votes and you let them all scream bloody murder oh my god the Democrats are so partisan crap that's what I think
1: yeah you know, it's interesting because McConnell has famously said one time, you know, there are three elements to politics or the lifeblood of politics, money, money, and money. And that's what he cares about. He knows money keep, puts and keeps people in power. And to your point, all he wants is power. So you, how do you hold him accountable? You know, he's like now, yeah, that was impeachable, but he did not. Say that Biden was a president elect until December 15th. He played this game with Trump so that he could win Georgia. He made a bad bet. Now he's trying to figure out how does he retain power? How does he get rid of Trump? Keep Trump. He's always playing the long game. Okay, for McConnell, but at some point, who's gonna stand up and say we need to play the long long game for America? And what is best for us as a country and a democracy? And you know, I'm very passionate about this, but you know, you lose um, things, get lost in inches, not in yards, right? So you lose your democracy in inches, right? They say people who, um, you know, they lose their friends or whatever. It doesn't usually happen with a big thing. It's a little thing, a little thing, a little thing, and then you're not friends anymore. That's what I'm afraid of. And yeah, I just don't trust that the Senate at this point cares more about democracy than they care about their own power. And that's oh, a, sad a terrible statement, sad to, make.
0: statement to, to make. I mean, it's no wonder we were all emotional in the middle of, of tears, because that's what we have been going through. Uh, it's certainly good Donald Trump is gone. I'm all with that. I hope he fades more and more from the news, but we still... Have to entertain day in, day out things like the Rob Portman Profiles in Courage Award. <laughs> Not a good sight. All right, well, you have a lovely day. All right, Bye.
1: talk to you tomorrow.
0: Sibling Talk is a JMP production. Theme song by David Paulette.